welcome to episode 247 of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. It's been a huge week in Parkrun and in the Olympics. So blah, blah, blah. Welcome, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feel a bit overshadowed this week, don't you reckon, Mel? Sitting here, all locked away. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much going on, though, Ollie, outside of Parkrun land, but also yes. with Parkrun, you know, records. Yeah, big records. Huge. Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. It took me by surprise. I was just minding my own business, doing my own little Alice Pellas Parkrun, and then bam. Yes, yeah. Oh, look, fantastic achievement. But look, before that, more important things, how was it, Ellis Palace Parkrun? It it was a fun day. I mean, they always are uh, thrown together at the last minute and we celebrated um, the 1920s. Mm, sort of the gangster vibe. Yeah, gangster. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I went all gangster with Dazza and poker games and oh, I learned about speakeasies, didn't even know what they were, Ollie, had to do some Googling. I might need that context. Um, I hope I'm not the only one that doesn't know that. Would you like to enlighten us? Oh, well, it was a term used for sort of the underground places that sold illegal alcohol during the Prohibition in America ah. and named as such because the bartenders would ask patrons to speak easy, as in quietly, to avoid detection from police officers. And something I didn't know about was bathtub gin. All the cocktails from the 1920s involved a bathtub gin and which I can only assume was because everybody was making their own gin at home because it was the easiest alcohol to brew so everybody made it at home in their bathroom perhaps literally in their bathtub and so all the cocktails from that era are very sweet because they've all got all this sugar added to cover up the harshness of the bathtub gin wow well, you've done your research. That's impressive. Um, now, <laughs> that's the layman's explanation. This is no <laughs> quoting from Wikipedia. This is this is just straight from Mel's yeah. memory. <laughs> but also, I've never had gin. I will put really? my hand up and say, in my whole life, never drank gin ever. So Paul got sent out <laughs> to buy a <laughs> bottle of gin, and that was what we had for breakfast because that's what you got to have in lockdown: alcohol for breakfast. Wow. That's fantastic. Look, I was impressed when you uh, learnt Gosdemay in a week for, <laughs> for brunch there. But this is a whole nother level, Mel. Um, so you obviously didn't brew it in the bathtub. Um, didn't distill it, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we had fun and, and it yes. was learning about a new era of history. So it was exciting. Well done. Ellis Palace does it again. <laughs> Oh, that's it for another week. But what about yeah. you? What did you do, Ollie? Uh, well, I went and injured myself uh, once again. <laughs> um, yes, uh, injured in the artistic jumpy jumpy event on the final day <laughs> of the Olympics. Uh, okay, for the listeners, please explain. Uh, yes, so this was uh, the final weekend of the Home Olympics. Uh, we've had five days of events spread across two weeks. And fortunately, fortunately, Mel, I did get out for a run. Now, I was inspired last year by Mr. Brendan Scholarly to go for a Shell Harbour City to Surf run on the morning of the well, what would have been the City to Surf date. So I went out for one of those again uh, this mm -hmm. this weekend. That's what we call it, isn't it? They're all mm. blur. They all seem the same these days. <laughs> but, um, but one of the non-work days. And 
got out there in the rain, came back and was nice and warm and ready for the uh, the events of the day. We had six events left remaining in the Olympics and uh, proud to say that despite my injury, I managed to nab a bronze for India in the artistic jumpy jumpy. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you injured yourself during the jumpy jumpy? Totally worth it. Why were you representing India? Well, we've all had three nations, you know, a bit of learning, a bit of artistic uh, elements in terms of uh, colouring in our flags. So because, you know, of course, you know, everyone gets a medal, we didn't want to just have five nations cleaning up the medals. I mean, that's kind of boring, isn't it? So I chose to uh, to represent India, Kenya and Colombia. Um, I'm liking Kenya. Yeah. Um, I'm with you there, Ollie. I mean, the lack of a marathon was a particular disadvantage um, <laughs> and the fact that, yeah, there were a few favourites. But uh, suffice to say for our listeners, um, the top three at the final medal standings, uh, Ireland in third, uh, Hannah, uh, New Zealand in second, that was Ava, and uh, Australia cleaned up and, yeah, no prizes for guessing that that was uh, that was young Zali. Oh, <laughs> and so you did indicate to me that jumpy jumpies on the trampoline. So perhaps mm. a case of um, Dad trying to do a little bit more than what he was capable of. Yes, well, as my five-year-old daughter did point out beforehand. Grown-ups are not meant to go on the trampoline. <laughs> we reassured her that it would be fine. <laughs> the five-year-old was right. <laughs> Oh, Ollie, have you been to the doctor? Is it actually serious or is it just a bit of a twinge? No, no, just a flesh wound. Oh, okay. (laughs) I jest, I jest. It's fine. Yeah, just slight discomfort. We'll be fine. No broken ribs? No broken ribs. Right. um, I bounce back. Uh, Not quite as athletic as some of our park runners that we've seen, but uh, I bounce back. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah. huge weekend in Alice Palace and Spake Olympics. Yeah, that's right. And despite that, Mel, despite that, we have very much been overshadowed, as we said, by all the excitement this week. Um, so, look, you were also quite quick and managed to have a bit of a chat to Caitlin, the new global female fastest park runner. So, um, why don't we have a listen? Our guest today is a young athlete who yesterday at Parkrun broke the world female Parkrun record with a time of 15.38 at Lockheel Parkrun in South Australia. Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers podcast, Caitlin Adams. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. No worries. Congratulations on yesterday's run, Caitlin. The Parkrun community was a buzz yesterday when the news broke. Was it a deliberate attempt at the record? Oh, yeah. It's been um, a crazy 24 hours. Like I was saying to you off air, it's amazing how much traction it's really gone through over the last day. Like I've had a couple of phone calls and it's cool to see how relatable it is in the Parkrun community and just to the you know, everyday jogger, walker, runner, uh, you know, wanting to get out and do a park run every weekend. So it's certainly sort of taken off on social media, which has been really surprising. But, you know, going into the park run, run yesterday, I wasn't really expecting too much. Like, I think we're all sort of in the same boat with 
random lockdowns that have been happening and quarantining that's been happening all around the country. So a lot of our big races that we've been wanting to do interstate or locally have been either postponed or cancelled in the last couple of months. So I've really just had a long period of time of getting some consistent big weeks of training in and training's been going really well and I'm just having a lot of fun with it and there's sort of no pressure I think the summer season with athletics brings a little bit more pressure in that I guess it's a little bit more important track times are more relatable and sort of looked upon for standards and and making teams and things like that but this time of year it's really fun just to get down to business and put the work in so my group uh, I run for team tempo team tempo sorry under the coach Adam Diddick and we just really wanted to a fast hit out this weekend as sort of everything was back open again after a lockdown so we found Lockheel Park Run we'd heard about it before because uh, one of the boys from our group had run it before and said it was a pretty fast course so jumped on board for that yesterday morning and yeah had a really good time and when I sort of rocked up to the run like I said we haven't really had many races lately so I actually wasn't too sure what sort of shape I was in I'd run a random you know cross-country race with Athletics SA in the last month and you know did a track race in June and that was about it so I didn't know where my fitness was I just known that I'd strung together a lot of consistent weeks and was feeling fit so I guess there was no race goal or time that I really wanted to get. I just wanted to have a fun hit out at a park run. And even when I got going, like I didn't look down at the watch too much at all. It was only in the last K that I looked down at the watch and thought, oh, gee, where's this finish line? (laughs) (laughs) That's really impressive. So, um, yes, I noted that you were there with Team Tempo and your coach, Adam, he's over at Tokyo at the moment, I believe. So, did he know that you all snuck off to Park Run? Yeah, well, I guess at the start of the week we were waiting to see if a local race uh, here in SA was going to go ahead and it was sort of cancelled earlier in the week and we're all a little bit disappointed and we're all at the point in our training program where we wanted a bit of a race effort and race hit out. So Adam had been talking to my boyfriend, Lockie, actually, because Lockie's sort of taken on a coaching role in the group and they were both trying to organize something that we could do this weekend. And I think some of them wanted to, like some of the people in our group wanted to do like a bit of a track based time trial and majority we had a majority vote out at training Tuesday night and and everyone and including myself you know most people wanted to do a park run just because it's really fun to get out in the community and and have something that uh, feels a little bit more like a race rather than just like a team-based time trial if that makes sense so Adam was really keen for park run he was leaning towards that option so I guess in hindsight, it was really good that we did do a park run after everything that's happened in the last 24 hours and, uh, you know, how I was feeling yesterday and feeling pretty strong. So, um, glad that we chose that. And like I said, Lockheel, we've never done that one before. I've, I've done Torrens a couple of times in Adelaide and Queenstown in New Zealand when I was on a holiday and that was super fun. And Lockheel, uh, the course is sort of a, a little bit I guess downhill the first half and then you're pretty much gradually going uphill on the on the second half. So it's certainly certainly not a flat speedy course, but <laughs> it was super fun to just try a new one and, and get involved in that community out at Lockhill. 
it's well known for its koalas too, but you perhaps were going a little bit too fast to spot any of the local wildlife. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a great part of the River Torrens. Actually, it's really beautiful, surrounded by heaps of trees and a golf course there. But I was sort of tucked in behind a couple of my teammates. So um, I was getting them to sort of weather the wind and, and navigate the course. <laughs> and then I did try and help out a couple of times, like in the article. I said that with a K to go, I sort of got up on, you know, Max Sperling's side, uh, one of the guys who I trained with out at Team Tempo and sort of just said, like, let's go. Like, you could see on the course marker that it was a K to go. And I thought, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. Like, I'm not sure what time this is going to be, but I feel like it's going to be fast. Like, I felt strong the whole run. So, yeah, didn't want to let them take the whole uh, brunt of the work. That's for sure. (laughs) So, you said one of your teammates is a park runner. It's quite normal for there to always be that one person in a group that's always nagging you to go to park run? Uh, yeah, so I guess depending on what our schedule looks like through the year, you know, we do all year round, we're doing either cross country, road racing or athletics and athletics is really our, our key season throughout the year where we've all got our different disciplines that we focus on. And when we are, I guess parkrun is a really good option for us when we're coming back from our little breaks between seasons or like this weekend where, you know, we haven't had many races and we really want a a fun hit out in the community. We often will look for a parkrun and some of our teammates as well have like done some of the different park runs around Adelaide. So that's why we always look to people to suggest like which one we should, we should go and try out. I know uh, Jess Stenson loves a good park run as well. Like if, you know, you just want to have a bit of a hit out that weekend and the coach is all happy with it. Well, she'll jump out to a park run or, you know, someone, a lot of the group will often do that just as a bit of a, see how their fitness is going at the time. Yeah. Parkrun is known to be a very community-based event, so it's great that it attracts participants from a wide range of abilities, from the weekend walkers to elites such as yourself. And it sounds like you did get the community vibe yesterday and that it, it does add a different aspect to the training that probably uh, would be always very regimented, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. So, It's good to hear that it brings some fun, but uh, for many of us, it's just all about the brunch. So, did Team Tempo go for brunch (laughs) yesterday? Yeah, well, it's funny because we had planned to book into the line on Melbourne Street in North Adelaide afterwards. We didn't hang around for coffee with everyone at Park Run afterwards just because there was a couple of restrictions and, you know, we didn't want to bombard that sort of area, but we definitely, we booked in at a, a brunch place and I guess the initial plan was to finish park run, do a little bit of a session afterwards, warm down and then head to this place and watch the last half of the women's marathon in Sapporo. But they ended up starting, I think, about an hour earlier due to the heat. So, we missed the last part of that race. But Jess had her phone out on the warm up, so we were sort of listening to the commentary and watching bits of bits of the race there. But a little disappointing that we couldn't go to brunch and watch the the second half of that. But it was still good to go anyway and just like recap the morning because. You know, it was, it's funny, like I came 10th in that park run, which is crazy. You know, that sort of time often doesn't occur at a park run. Usually, like it's definitely an anomaly. And to come 10th with, you know, a lot of my teammates running 
personal best road times for the 5k and just having a really good day. It was, um, it was cool to go back to brunch afterwards, have a coffee and, and debrief and, uh, really enjoy everyone's results. So it would be very different because usually you'd be running, you know, I guess you're, your track work is is just continual loop. So you wouldn't be used to having to do that like turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would slow you down, right? Yeah, it is a bit of a tight turnaround on the on the Lock Hill sort of Torrens loop there. So yeah, that was a bit of a momentum killer, but that's park run for you. Like I like I love all the different courses and and navigating that. And you know, there was uh, about at about the two K mark in there was a massive puddle that was covering the whole path. So you sort of just had to splash it out in the middle or try and go across the sides and get through. So (laughs) it was a little bit of everything that day. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely get all those different uh, nuances, don't you, with parkrun courses? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Your profile on the Australian Sports Foundation website says you're a distance runner. Is 5,000 metres your preferred distance? Yeah, so I guess... I probably had a bit of a breakout, like I've been running and, you know, been involved with the sport since I was a young kid and, you know, played other sports and grew up in the country. So I moved to Adelaide, the big city to uh, pursue university and, you know, just train a little bit more with the team and see how far I could get with running and athletics and had a bit of a breakout a couple of years ago and sort of been riding that high ever since. I think I just put that down to years of consistency and just showing up, just turning Mm -hmm. up, doing the training. And so 5,000 meters is probably the uh, distance that I'm going to focus on going forward and hopefully can make a couple of teams with that distance. I made World Uni Games in 2019. That was a really exciting year for me because I uh, finished top two in the trials for the World Cross Country Championships. So went to Denmark for the World Cross Country Champs at the start of that year and then made World Uni Games, which was in Napoli in Italy in the middle of 2019 for the 5,000 metres. And that was my first or international track competition, which was a super exciting experience and just really confirmed to me my love for the sport and and traveling with it and you know being on a team of Aussies and meeting new people ideally I'd love to run like a 3000 meters on the track that's I think 3000 meters right now is is my sweet spot like it's got a little bit of speed but also endurance too um still sort of navigating the final 2k's of a of a 5k but definitely going to be heading down that 5k path and really trying to knock off some time off my personal best and next year is going to be a big year we've got Commonwealth Games coming up, World Championships, uh, World Uni Games again. There's also World Cross Country Championships if that's able to go ahead in Australia. So my focus is really just getting fit while I can in this winter season, doing a couple of races, but then really focusing on that athletic season next year and, and getting that 5K time down to be really competitive and hopefully try and book a spot on, on one of those teams. The uh, current COVID situation must have had a big impact all across the world on athletics and and the ability to compete against different people. So this, especially I suppose at the Olympics, that's been a unique uh, situation for people to go out and test themselves against others. Yeah, it was disappointing last year, you know, coming off of that uh, 2019-2020 athletic season, I had... A really great season in the 5k and you know was able to go over to New Zealand and race and Australia was awesome just having 
a lot of girls coming in from who usually base themselves overseas and coming in and racing our national champs and just was really loving that season and then had plans to go overseas with Team Tempo and a few other groups from around Australia and do a bit of a distance altitude camp up in Flagstaff in America and then some high quality races and competition over there because, you know, there's a lot more depth and, and opportunity to run those sort of times that get you on teams. You can certainly do it in Australia, but, you know, going overseas, a lot more depth, a lot more people to really tuck in behind and, and race. So that was something that I was really looking forward to because I've only been overseas uh, through making teams. I really wanted to have that opportunity to do a, a proper training camp and really uh, push the push the boundaries of what I can do with running. But then COVID really brought that to a halt. So I guess mm. the only positive that I can take out of that is I was starting a master's of teaching at the start of last year, which is a, a, a two-year course. And it's really allowed me to sort of focus on that. And, you know, it, it is a bit draining. There's a lot of placements around the same time and a lot of demands with that. So, I have sort of found that I've been a lot more like anxious and tired whilst I've been studying and trying to train and work at the same time. So I think the only blessing out of COVID was that it really forced me to stay home and just get it done, just get this um, uni degree done and, and get it done to the best of my ability, get placements out the way. And then hopefully, you know, end of this year, next year, things start to open up again and I can have that opportunity to actually go overseas and and travel and train like I did want to do in 2019. And you're probably lucky being in South Australia. You've had a lot less restrictions um, in, in that state than you would have had if you had been in, say, Victoria or New South Wales or Queensland, which are all currently this last weekend had uh, degrees of park runs cancelled due to COVID. Yeah. So yeah. you were lucky. You were lucky. They only just came back this week. Yeah, I know. Um, we've been super lucky. Like we've only really had two small lockdowns. It's really um, devastating to see what's going on in the other states. I can only imagine how, you know, insane you'd all be going and just um, really dreading another lockdown. But yeah, SA has been really fortunate and it's been so good that we can still, you know, train with our group and, and have a crack at some park runs and, you know, not too many, I guess, competitions have been cancelled around SA, but it's always so good to have park run come back on as soon as, you know, weekend after the lockdown is done, they're back on. And, and so that was probably why we really looked to do that yesterday. But I'm also pretty fortunate too that I live with three other boys. So one of them is my partner and then two other boys, Isaac and Lockie, and, and they both are runners as well and really hand, handy runners in their own right. So when we were locked down, I could, you know, train with them and do all of our runs together. And Lockie Hennig and I are pretty similar ability levels when we do train. So it was really good to have them and, you know, still have that motivation to get out the door and have people <laughs> to run with. Sometimes it was a little bit too much. We just wanted to put the headphones in after living with each other and then <laughs> running with each other as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. So we, we really love the sport and it's so good to live with them and see how they go about things and uh, the little one percenters they do. And, and that was 
um, really what got us through a couple of those tough times when we, you know, races were cancelled, we had lockdown. It's always fun in our home, so it keeps it lighthearted. Do you just go and run um, your local streets? I know here when we get told we go to five kilometre radius and you can only go out for an hour at a time, so, you know, you're doing multiple laps of the block and um, (laughs) trying to squeeze in as much as you can in your little time frame. Is that the sort of thing that you had to do? Yeah, yeah. So we actually did a session sort of around our local, the roads around one of our local footy ovals here and we are just trying to pick out some sneaky areas that we could actually do a session or we were a little bit worse. We had a 2.5 kilometre radius. So um, before our run, we would have to really map out what roads we're going to go down. And we're sort of surrounded by some some main roads here in Adelaide. So we sort of knew what was within our radius and it did get a little bit boring towards the end of the week, that's for sure. And uh, so um, just one of the other notes that I had written down, I saw that you ran 1529 at the Oceana Invitational uh, on the Gold Coast in June. Do you think you might come back for another world record attempt? Because we've got a nice fast course here at Toolan Creek. Like I said, going into yesterday, I didn't have any thoughts before the race about, you know, this is, I want to break the world record. I, I didn't even really know what the world record was, to be honest. I knew that um, Lauren had the Australian record and sort of roughly what her time was. And then during the run, you know, feeling so strong and having my training partners around me, it was so familiar. So I think everything just fell into place and just had a really nice morning. And once again, with the community being out there, it was such a great vibe to see everyone. And the race organizers were so happy and chirpy too. So I definitely, you know, I have traveled around Australia a fair bit and internationally and and done some pretty awesome races recently. And that 1529 was a really nice breakout for me. I'd been trying to break the 1530 barrier for so long and had a bit of a rough start to the season. And it was just so good to have a race where everything sort of fell into place and I felt really comfortable and and there was no pressure and could just go out there and have a good one. And that's sort of how I felt yesterday as well with that park run record. So definitely adds fuel to the fire and (laughs) Uh, makes me want to you know keep working hard and towards the next few races and especially try and fit some park runs in there we've got some amazing ones in SA so and even yeah interstate like you're saying so it'd be cool (laughs) to have another crack at the record but um, it's one of those things where I'm like oh you know that time yesterday was actually really fast it's going to be hard to break that again. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for for what you did yesterday. You gave a lift to the whole parkrun community where <laughs> a lot of us were, you know, we're missing our parkrun and, and we're a bit sad that we couldn't be out there. But when the news came through that the record had gone and we were so happy for you and we were so excited, thank you so much for taking some time to speak to us today and we wish you all the very best for the future. Thank you, Mel. Thanks so much for having me. And I just wanted to say a little shout out. Thanks to everyone who's been so supportive and and sending through some really nice messages on social media um, about the result yesterday. And especially to the race organizers and volunteers at Lock Hill Park Run too. It wouldn't have been possible without them. And also wanted to give a little shout out to my housemate, Isaac Kane, because he broke the course record there yesterday as well and ran a really speedy 14.15, which um, is super impressive to me so thanks to everyone yeah he did indeed we'll keep our eyes on Isaac too he's definitely one to watch um that's for sure thank you thanks so much Caitlin thanks for having me
Oh, Ollie, it was wonderful to talk to Caitlin. She was just a pleasure to talk to and it was great. Team Tempo was so enthusiastic about joining Parkrun on the weekend. Yeah, it really struck me, Mel, and um, thank you, Caitlin, for sharing your time as well with us straight after that. And, um, yeah, look, th- thanks to the whole gang there by the sounds of it. They really, As I was saying, it really struck me that there was a good team camaraderie and one that you know really embraced the parkrun as well. Uh, the great family at Lockhill. Yes, and Isaac Hayne obviously taking the course record there with 14.15 and Jess Stenson, formerly Trengove, running her all-time PB as well of 15.50. Just achievements all round. Um, <laughs> I just can't quite get over the fact, look, I know Lockhill is not a you know, high elevation course, but it's one that I definitely associate with a couple of ups and downs was it tilted downhill or something like (laughs) how did they manage this i don't know oh it's just a lovely story isn't it Mm. and uh and jumping puddles you know (laughs) just just that visual of elites having to jump puddles just like we do when we go out for park run morning after a rainy period that's right unless you're in ainsbury of course no puddles to jump there oh (laughs) (laughs) true yes but I think as it's been pointed out to see so many first-timers, uh, so many PBs, I mean, right through the field too. Let's not just give credit to the fasties here. A lot of achievements on the day. It must have been such a buzz. But Ollie, there's somebody else that had a massive achievement this weekend just gone. Yeah. What about that? We, we heard just recently uh, the penultimate event and uh, now... She's gone and done it. So, uh, Mel, why don't we have a listen to Alison on her uh, shiny new achievement? Good morning, adventurers. It's Alison here reporting in for the Channel 5 News crew over here in New Zealand. And this morning I am trying out Sherwood Reserve Park Run which is the newest park run to start in New Zealand and it's in Auckland. It's in a place called Browns Bay on the north shore of Auckland and it started on July the 3rd. Now last week you would have heard me reporting from Dunedin which was my last park run to complete the South Island and Sherwood Reserve is the final park run to complete the North Island for me. So it's been a bit of a journey and I'm I'm really looking forward to running at this event. Um, I'm not too sure what to expect other than it's a multi-lap, but I will come back to you at the finish with my thoughts. So I'm at the cafe with today's run director, Helen Watson. How did you find your very first run directing um, event today, Helen? Hey Alison, um, a lot to lot to remember, um, but we had a great crowd who helped me get through the the run brief, which was awesome, and uh, I think it went okay. <laughs> what got you um, being run director in the first place? Um, I was I was persuaded into it by one of the uh, the co EDs here at Sherwood Reserve Park Run, but it's a great opportunity, and um, I'm grateful for them, um, including me in um, the run director team. Were you a bit nervous today? I was very nervous today. (laughs) Just lots to remember, didn't want to leave anything out. Um, I wanted to make sure people knew what they were doing, the course uh, and where the finish is because it's changed since we started the, the run at Sherwood. And you're well known in parkrun circles for your cakes. (laughs) 
How long have you been doing cakes for Pike Run? Since I've been in New Zealand, it wasn't something I did when I was in the UK. So the last last two years, it's just something I uh, I enjoy doing as a, as a hobby, and I seem to be yeah well renowned in the Auckland circles for uh, milestone cakes. And there was a special cake for volunteers too. Yes, I like to uh, make sure the volunteers are rewarded for their efforts, and uh, a little cake uh, seems to go a long way with them. Now, you've done quite a few park runs, so not including Sherwood Reserve, what would be your top three? So, um, I would have to call out Delamere Forest in the UK because it was my first ever park run. Hobsonville Point in New Zealand, as it was my first uh, sort of home park run in New Zealand. And then Quinns Rocks in Western Australia, because it's a lovely course out and back alongside the Indian Ocean. Thank you so much. So I'm sat with Scott Arrell, who is one of the co-event directors for Sherwood Reserve. So thanks for an awesome park run, Scott. Well, thank you for coming. It's really great to have you and, and all the other event directors turn up today. And yeah. uh, We turned on a bit of sunshine, quite a bit of wind. It was great to have everyone here. It's a bit of a powwow with the event directors. Yeah, I know. It was sort of like, actually, we all felt like it was royalty visiting. You know? It's like, wow, <laughs> how are we going to cope? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say royalty, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are instrumental in getting instrumental in getting this park run up and running. So how did it come about? Well, it was really a group of us. We've been on the lookout for a couple of years, really, to try and get a, a park run going on on the North Shore. And, um, and, and it's been a bit tricky because lots of parks, but quite small and not meeting sort of the, the safety requirements. So there's probably been a good core group of at least 15 to 20 um, sort of poking around and finding. And then, then we found uh, there were some changes at the Sherwood Reserve to their waterways and that opened it all up because they built a whole new walkway and, and areas there that just made it possible to do the three lap course so we just went for it so, and now we got we got it going so it's really great now quite a few of the australian park runs have got wildlife that you see on the course there's you know fluffy the emu at nambour everyone knows about about fluffy and then there's prickles the echidna i've seen and koalas at cobram but Sherwood Reserve has got something that no other park runs got. So. I know, actually, no, nowhere in the world would they have uh, the, protected, by the way, native uh, short-finned eels. So um, and there's a lot in there. Did you see them today? I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so we go. I, um, when people come to Sherwood Reserve Park Run, we've named all the different parts of the course. So that you go over that bridge, that bridge that's called uh, Ely Bridge. So and, and if you're not going too quick, you can stop and have a look at the, all the eels. I reckon they, I, I don't know how many are there. But it'd be a good 50 odd, wouldn't it? I stopped to get video and, you know, masses of them. Yes, yeah, yeah cool. You know, and then, of course, after that, you, you head on further around the course to Stonehenge, as we call it. So then make your way across Stonehenge and um, then back up through under the troll bridge to the turnaround. And then, and then you do that three times. It's, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really cool course. So three laps uh, if you're coming to visit. Mm, yeah, that's good. And the way that it's sort of, you got that um, circular bit or kind of semicircle and then out and back. So yeah, the great thing that we feedback we're getting is um, how everybody can see each other on the course. So yeah, most of the time you you kind of like with a, a normal kind of circular three lapper. Yeah. You know you kind of lose sight of who's in front mm. of you and who's behind you. Yeah. So we're getting really good feedback on yeah. the, on the way the course works. Yeah. And you've done quite a few of the park runs here in New Zealand, Scott. Yeah. Climbing yeah. the the table for most events. Yeah, I am trying, but COVID put, yeah was a real 
well, nuisance last year, wasn't it? But I think I've uh, got 31 now. With I did this park run, Sherwood Reserve, officially just a couple of weekends ago. I've run it heaps of times. But this was the first official one. So yeah, I got 31 of the 34. But you've just run 34. I have. So, yeah, yeah so I saved. Some might say it saved the best for last. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it saved yeah, the newest one for last. Newest one. Well, yeah. No, that's great. Great achievement. Yeah. Because yeah, it's. Uh, I think. Um, yeah. When you said, I, I think it was nearly two years ago. I decided I was going to get them all. So. Yeah, well, I will. Yeah. But you just got to. I think one of the factors of um, when you would know yourself, but when you're event director at a, at a course, so then you at a park run, then you um, kind of holds you back a little bit for a while. And then, but we've got a really good core team now of run directors. So. So yeah. which which ones do you have left? I think it's um, Trentham, a new one there, and then Pegasus in Monica. Okay, yeah. so out of the ones that you've run, what are your top three? Oh, top three. Uh, can I have four, though? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I'd say Invercargill, yeah, um, and this isn't top three, like as in one, two, three. So I'd go, I'd go Invercargill, Puringa, love, love, love running around through the sort of steam in the area there. Invercargill, because of, like Queen's Park is such a beautiful park. Mm. It's, it's kind of yeah, a real park runnish, you know, it's it, there. And, um, of course, Owairaka, and I'll, I'll sneak in Millwater uh, as well. So. And of course Sherwood. But <laughs> Not counting home runs. <laughs> no, that's right, yeah. But, but even Hobsonville, I, I helped to get the Hobsonville point going. And uh, I like that course. It's, yeah. uh, but they're all different. Eh? Like the, the thing I always say is all the courses are different, but but everywhere you go, the people are great. That doesn't change. No. Yeah. But well, thanks so much for your time, Scott. Great. So that was Sherwood Reserve. It's a really neat little park run in this tiny little park and somehow they've made it work. It's a three lapper, then you go past the start finish area six times, which gives you a really good feel for the community that they've got here. And even though it is brand new, there are so many people who call this place home and um, it's got a really good vibe to it. One thing about Sherwood is that it's another one in New Zealand that's twinned itself with an English park run. And my run here today coincided with the return of Sherwood Pines park run in England. So we did a giant Scott airplanes at the start. So that's your typical airplane, but uh, we call them Scott airplanes over in New Zealand after Scott Arrell, who is the co-ED who you heard from just before. What I was going to show you about Sherwood Reserve, the eels, um, I did a post on my Instagram. So if you're on Insta, head over, um, see if you can look at that video. And I'm so glad that I picked this as my last park run to complete the country. And that doesn't mean that you won't hear from me again, because there are a number of park runs that I haven't profiled for the park run adventurers uh, that I'll be getting to hopefully in the not too distant future. So I hope you've enjoyed hearing some of our New Zealand parkrun events and I look forward to more adventuring. Hi Parkies, this is the Informer, coming to you live from my study with a view. And this week's view, well I think I'll just, well I think I'll just paint you a picture. You see, the adventurers were having a regular Monday Zoom when Mel got up to go and get some water. A few moments later, in slides Paul wearing nothing but socks and undies singing into the TV remote. Apparently he thought the meeting was over and was doing the Tom Cruise risky business. It was... it was... well I'm not really sure what that is. But I'll be pushing for all future business to be conducted with cameras off. Now the stats. Now, only 
count as a time I collected and may differ from the stats you read elsewhere. But you wouldn't do that, because you can get it all right here at the Parkrun Adventurers. On the Juniors front, we are still down to just the one event at Thorndon Juniors. 26 Junior Parkies took part. There were no first-timers. Raphael Indrakno ran his half-marathon and was the only milestone for the week. Congratulations to Joshua Linney and Georgia Zamenhoppo who ran PBs. And an even bigger congratulations to Joel Wilmot who ran his second PB in a row. In Australia, regular 5K park runs are still impacted by COVID restrictions and numbers are overall down. Despite a few more countries and events coming online, overseas numbers are also down. There were 1,041 runs taking place in 17 countries. There were 191 in Australia and 34 in New Zealand. Canada and Denmark had 8. Finland returned with 2. France had 8. Germany had 20. Italy 5. Japan 12. Netherlands 4. Norway 1. Poland 75. Russia 65. South Africa returned with 23. Sweden had 4. United Kingdom 545 and the USA had 36. There were three launches, Patawalonga River in South Australia, Horsepath and Woodgate Valley Country Park in the United Kingdom, and Park 850 Latia Moskvi, um, um, a park that is marking the 850th anniversary of Moscow. Aussie New Zealand attendance was down by 9,000. We had 16,553 runners out of a hectic 136,914 worldwide. That's up more than 21,000 on last week. Down under, we had 2,034 PBs, while 591 people participated for the first time. 33 juniors reached their junior 10 milestone, 78 people reached their 50 milestone, 52 reached their 100 milestone, and 6 people reached their 250 milestone. 9 people called bingo. Madison Chippett was the quickest with 164 events. Darren Hill was the slowest person taking 331 events. This week we have 15 new states peoples. In the ACT we have Tom Stone, Ian Brown, Monica Armstrong, Hayley Atchurch and Anita Scherer. In the Northern Territory, we have Alicia Coetzee, Terry McKay, Carolyn Kramer, Bob Harlow, Brett Byron and Tracy Byron, Ron Jones and Libby Jones, and Victoria Godden. While over in the New Zealands, Alison King, fresh on the heels of last week's South Islander, this week becomes a North Islander and countryman. Congratulations, Alison. On the top 20 most Aussie New Zealand events list, Robin Richworth continues his climb to be now equal ninth with Ross Burrell with 155 events after running at Kununurra. I think we have recovered from last week's Windex disaster. We had 159 movers. Bradley Ward was the biggest mover, jumping 18 points from 1 to 19. And that puts him into the Tasmanian top 10, ranking at 7. Jessa Manley jumps 12 to be 162, which is the number one spot in New South Wales. Okay, Parkies, that's your lot from me this week. As always, to see these stats in full, 
you should definitely follow The Informant on Facebook or visit the blog at www.theinformant.me. That's the informant, all one word, dot M-E. This has been The Informant, and my stats report is like snuggling with a little kitten under your hoodie. And thank you, Alison, for our roving report this week, and congratulations for achieving countryman status, Ollie. What an achievement there. Yes, I can clap now, can't I? Yes, you can clap now. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Alison. That's fantastic. It's been really enjoyable to hear you along your travels as you've neared and now achieved that status and uh, such such a rather small club too. Yes, but please don't stop recording roving reports because we're loving listening to everything from across the, the ditch. That's right. We need a bit of a New Zealand back catalogue now. We do. Mel, we, we also had a few accounts coming through from Dazzers and I suppose there are a couple of themes shining through. So um, whilst Dazza was uh, pretty dapper in his <laughs> 20s gangster gear, uh, I think everyone was all still pretty athletic from the week before. So a couple of people we heard from really were uh, enjoying the morning of watching the Olympic women's marathon. So Peter Polman still at home doing pre-park run faff watching the women's marathon. We also heard Jodie Maisie watching the women's marathon with Brendan Peel. Amazing effort by the women. Adelina Trott got out of bed to run my not park run around Rosanna Parklands, now sitting back to watch the Tokyo women's marathon. Bernadette Bennett, uh, who shared the photo taken at the finish line of Not Park Run Series 2, Episode 1, now to watch the last 5K Not Park Run of the Women's Olympic Marathon. And uh, not to miss out on the fun, the informant, <laughs> keeping warm with Olympic-themed brunch, not looking forward to the sugar crash. Yeah, Ollie, and he said that those donuts were um, caramel, but they just look beige to me. <laughs> Very beige. But, Ollie, we also had some great representation from the Not Park Runs this week. Mandy Oliver, Not Park Run around local streets, which included Broadwater, but discovered something interesting for a Saturday morning around the corner, which was a Dan Murphy's delivery van. That's my kind of Saturday morning <laughs> delivery. <laughs> With the gin. We also heard from Jeff Whiffen. Took Murphy out to do our five-kilometre boundary on the Ballerine Rail Trail for a double knot park run. And Tracy Wood, so lucky to have both a friend and bushland within my 10-kilometre radius. Oh, and there happens to be a bakery nearby. How about that? Carrot cake for morning tea. Tony O'Connell, another Cape Pat knotty. Not a bakery or cafe in our five-kilometre bubble, but home for a bit of Vegemite toast and... Can't complain about that either. Score. Sam Schroeder, we walked a new route of the Love Shack Not Park Run. It's a tough one. Luke's Cafe served cinnamon scrolls, six weeks, six new recipes. Yum. That looked like a tough course. Sorry, Mel. <laughs> it was that elevation, Ollie. Ingrid Botha, walked Paris. Do you have to sniff every fence post, Not Park Run, with daughter and dog in a record time of two hours and ten minutes? Lovely day for it. And Tina Johnston walked six kilometres along the beach at Emu Park. That's one for Fluffy. Simon Mackley, I incorporated the Mossman Park Run course into my long run today. Sadly nostalgic for the return someday. And lastly, Abigail's mum, in the spirit of Alice Palace Park Run, post not Park Run Brekkie included a Tom Collins. <laughs> Class. 
Class. So that's a fair few not park runs, Mel. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, we did have some real park runs too. So thank you to everyone who uh, shared their account from a real park run. So Greg Garner, I think he had an alternative to the finish tokens here, counting the runners as they went past while volunteering as a marshal at Victory Heights Trail Park Run this morning. For the record, there are 36 rocks. Val Warwick, ready for volunteering to Railton, me as token giver outer, and Steve as tailwalker, course bump out, and photographer. He'll carry the camera for the first half before putting it away and then start collecting the cones and signs, all while having the first aid kit tied around his waist. Not quite a decathlon achievement, but not bad. The sun has come out, but there's no way I am removing my puffer jacket, so look like an orange barrel. <laughs> Update afterwards was added. Uh, Coffee at Limestone Cafe after was, as usual, fabulous, but Callie's wonderful homemade vanilla slices had all gone, so Steve had her baked apple cake instead. Pepper White, morning dazzers. It's the summer in England, so obviously totally soaked today at Park Run (laughs) with mud all the way up my legs. Itchen Valley Country Park Run for a friend's 200th different and a spot of barcode scanning after. Please may I have a latte and a sausage roll? Penny Simpson, 100th volunteer day for me today. Well done, Penny. Thanks for volunteering. Big thank you for the milestone too and congratulations. Uh, At Mount Clarence Park Run, training a new RD. Glorious weather today for a change. Might steal a photo from our photographer. And it was quite a photo too. It was. And we had our Bailey shot. Tanya Bailey, brisk walk this morning on a chilly morning. 95 hardy souls, runner joined me for the second half after a run with Dad first. Rebecca Bailey, spent the week skiing and sleeping in the snow. Essential work training. So enjoyed a warm bed lion this morning. Getting ready to watch some Kiwis in Olympic sprint kayaking and heading out to get some evening light under the bridge with a Banksia Avenue not park run later today. And Brett Bailey ran Pegasus with Brunner. Southerly front came through during park run and Brett captured a fabulous photo of that southerly front. I reckon. Yeah, that was dramatic. And, uh, of course, speaking of dramatic, uh, our two aforementioned achievements of the week, Alison King entered the New Zealand Countryman Club today and collected a Windex number at Sherwood Reserve Park Run. Enjoyed Park Faf with Andrew Capel, who twinned me with his choice of ugly buff. And um, Janet, who was at uh, the epicentre of the parkrun record-breaking world this parkrun day just gone, Janet Reid, chimed in a little late at Dazza's, but I think Janet's got an excuse. (laughs) 9pm Adelaide time and I'm finally checking into Dazza's and it feels so good to be here, just like flopping into that comfy old armchair at your nana's. But I digress. It was a Big morning aboard the mothership Lockhill Park Run today. There was something in the air for sure. Records tumbled left, right and centre. One, our mail course record set in 2017 was broken by Isaac Hayne in a time of 14 minutes and 15 seconds. Two, our female course record was broken by Caitlin Adams in a time of 15.38. Three, this was also a new female record for Park Run Australia. And four, a female parkrun world record. Five, we also had the lovely Olympian 
Jess Trengove finish in 1550. To say we are over the moon at Lochiel would be an understatement. I was within an arm's reach of the front runner when he had 800 metres to go and I only had 800 metres completed. We were like a relay team passing the baton, except we were going in opposite directions. It felt so good in that millisecond. Who knows what great things I may achieve tomorrow. <laughs> For now, I will enjoy basking in the glory of what happened at little old Lockheel today with a belated skinny flat white. I dedicate and share my excitement with all my fellow parkrunners who are in lockdown. Sending you all hugs and good vibes. Aww. Thank you, Janet. Yeah, thanks, Janet. And so lovely that that all occurred at little old Lockheel. Ah, that fills the cup, doesn't it, Mel? It does. I've got to say, it really lifted my spirits when that all happened Saturday morning. Yeah. What an excitement to be there and um, and to still make it to Daz's before closing too. Oh, no. <laughs> Big effort. And yes. she was having a coffee and not a wine. That's yeah. impressive. I'll say. And look, look, thank you to everyone who joined us at Daz's. Pleased to say, Mel, we managed to uh, to whip around Daz's and join in all the fun in less time than Caitlin took to complete Lockheel Park Run. Oh, no, a new format <laughs> this week. We might have to consider that in the future. Ollie, I think it worked well. Look, Mel, the excitement continues. Many listeners would have seen the Parkrun Australia blog announcement just come out uh, about a week ago that there's a Parkrun Australia book coming. It's called On Every Saturday and celebrates 10 years of Parkrun in Australia. Uh, so David Crook, the author, spoke with us following that blog launch. Our guest this week is a North Sydney park runner and author of a magnificent new book titled On Every Saturday, which celebrates 10 years of park run in Australia. Welcome to the podcast, David Crook. Hi, Ollie. Thank you. And uh, thank you for, uh, for that very generous description as well. It's wonderful to have you on the podcast and great to have a chance to, to dig into a bit of detail and, and share what looks like a fantastic publication. But uh, look, before we talk about the book, maybe could you tell us a little bit about your own parkrun story, David? Uh, yes. Well, I was, uh, I was quite late to parkrun. Uh, my running started as a kind of a midlife crisis thing. I had a big birthday and I thought I'd try a half marathon. That turned into trying a marathon and then a few more. And then friends kept saying to me, come along to Parkrun. And I felt like, well, five kilometres was a bit short. So I kept saying, well, no, I like running a bit further. But they eventually convinced me. And as soon as I went along, I realised how fantastic uh, Parkrun is and how, how varied it is and how it's, as we always say, not just about the run. Did you discover it at, at your local park run, which I understand is North Sydney? I discovered it uh, when we were staying with some friends in the UK. We'd been living in the UK. We'd come back. We went back over to visit, staying with friends, and they were going along to Evesham in Worcestershire one uh, Saturday morning and got me to go along with them. And it was fantastic, beautiful, sunny morning, heaps of people, great run. And when we got back to Australia... Uh, it took me a few weeks to realise that uh, North Sydney Park Run is literally at the end of my street. Um, so I, I started going there as well. It was mid-18 when I did my first one and since then we've had lots of periods where we haven't been able to park run. Mm. So I'm only up to 
just under 30 now, I think. But for the available times, I guess I get down there once every two weeks, uh, once every three at the outside. Fantastic. And uh, I do know the North Sydney course. It's a fantastic spot and uh, how convenient to have it right there. Yes, it's, uh, it, you know, there's no excuse, is there? <laughs> I can be down there and back at home by 8.30. There's, there's no excuse not to do that. Look, it, clearly it's it's resonated to some extent. So how then did the idea for, for the book come about? What, what's inspired you to, to write a, a whole book about parkrun in Australia? Well, the idea for the book, I'm currently uh, a graduate student in writing at uh, UTS and we had a class assignment uh, which was to come up with a pitch for a book. Not to come up with a book, but to come up with a pitch for a book. And that got me thinking about Park Run, the 10-year anniversary coming up. And I made contact with Tim Oberg and then we had a conversation about Park Run and about the anniversary. And instead of doing an assignment about a pitch on a book, I ended up actually doing a book, which has been a terrific experience and, and a, just a wonderful opportunity to talk to so many uh, volunteers and Parkrun HQ staff about the fantastic thing that Parkrun is, people including yourself, Ollie, of course, talking about Shell Harbour. And I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Thank you. You've profiled a number of very familiar Australian park runs, um, shared some great stories, some great images too. But how did you go about selecting each of these? Yes, that was uh, it was initially a, I thought that would be very hard, but I, I guess the way it started was I thought, what would I want this book to do? And uh, many people, many listeners would be familiar with Deborah Bourne's book about um, the 10-year anniversary of the whole of Parkrun, much more than a run in the park. And I, I had a good chat with Deborah right at the start. And I think what Deborah did was she really did a history. What I wanted to do was more give a kind of a sense of the variety and difference and nature of parkrun in Australia. And so as part of that, obviously, there is some history in there because that's important. And there's some facts and figures because some of us love facts and figures. We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, but I really wanted the heart of the book to be profiles of different park runs, particularly after I started talking to event directors in lots of different places. So as to the question of how did I choose, I guess I thought around about 30 was the right number for, for a manageable book. And I wanted to spread them across the states and territories, obviously. And then as a first thing, I thought it should include the first event from each state and territory. Um, then I thought it should include at least some of the north, south, east, west points of the compass. It needed to have some of the really, uh, I guess, iconic Australian locations and unusual Australian locations. So Alison Hunter in Kalgoorlie was the first event director I spoke to, the first park run mm. that I wrote up. Nightcliff and um, Helen Tiel. I know Helen's moved now, but... Uh, with Nightcliff was the second. Then I thought I should have the one that was the geographically highest, which I assumed was Genderbine, and I talked to Rosalie Brooke there, but then, of course, it turns out that it's actually Armadale, which I didn't include. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Mark Streeter and, and Zilmere, you have to have the only Z. Yeah, I think we all make the exception to, to get the only Z. And then, uh, you know, something like Weeper, 
had to have that. Mm. And Ollie, I occasionally would call on advice from Brendan Peel. Uh, Scott Trickett put me in, in touch with Brendan early in the process and occasionally I'd send him a text. I sent him a text one day, Brendan, I saw you went to the old Dalkney Weir Trail. Shall I include it? Mm. But, of course, I think Brendan's answer to that would always be, yes, of course you could. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did, and that's a, that's a fantastically interesting one. And Tim Boone, which was mm. a small town. So really a few of them really chose themselves, the first ones and the and the points of the compass. And after that, when you start to fill in some iconic places and a variety of regional and city and outback, doesn't take long before you've filled it up. And doesn't that speak to the uniqueness of so many park runs? You could feature each park run in a wonderful way and, and fill a book with, you know, clearly many, many more than the 300-odd the pages that you've managed to uh, provide, which I note, you know, do include a, a number of wonderful images. So um, have you gone about in collecting so many great pictures, great snapshots of our park runs? I really feel there's some fantastic uh, images, including, I have to say, Ollie, uh, two or three from Shell Harbour. Uh, what I did was... I went back to all of the people that I'd uh, interviewed, all of the 32 park runs that I'd, um, where I'd spoken to event directors and volunteers and asked them, did they have photos that they would like to put forward? With photos, it's a, um, in a book like this, it's a, it's a little complicated and you and I went back and forward a bit on this, that you need to have the clearance and approval of the photographer and also where you have individuals that are very heavily focused where there's just one or two people in a photo uh, you also need to make sure that they're happy with that obviously so i think one of the biggest administrative tasks of the whole process for me was the uh, photo process but fantastic photos uh, the, the, some of the shots that ben levy has taken in uh, albert melbourne uh, Paul Butler has some great stuff out of South Australia. Mm. Paul Vandermeij from Western Australia had some great things too. And one of my favourites is uh, Brendan Scalari's shot from Shell Harbour as well. On the beach, yeah. So uh, clearly it's been a wonderful experience from you know, listening to you, you recount aspects of, of you know, researching the book, but um, what's it been like and how long has it taken? That first day when I talked to... Uh, Deborah Bourne about her book, she said, I can't remember the exact words she used, but the sentiment of, of it, it was, it will eat your life. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I think that's true. It's, uh, it, it, it's a big endeavour because there are so many people involved and for it to be representative of Parkrun in the way I think it needs to be, you need to have that many people. You need to speak to a lot of people. So it's, it's been a big job mm. time-wise, but it hasn't been a chore to do uh, because all of the stories are, are so fantastic and, uh, and people have been so generous with their time, so happy to talk about their park run and, and prepared to uh, put up with me coming back to them with text and saying, is this okay? Did I miss anything here? And uh, have I got this name correct? And could you just answer this extra question? So I've really been very grateful to all of the event directors and volunteers and, and the head office staff have been so generous in giving their time to, um, to the project. I'd also have to say that um, uh, Mike Graney from, uh, from headquarters in the UK, the, uh, mm. the person who looks after all the statistics, 
he was uh, very generous in uh, in advising me on what's more useful, what's less useful, and, and helping me gather some some statistics as well. It speaks volumes that you know there are so many passionate personalities and contributors that you know quite willingly give their time and, and give everything they can to um to you know what what is a I think in the eyes of many of us a great cause you know sharing something that we are all quite passionate about and you know the the people that you have had contributions from what a what a great effort and understand you've spoken with the likes of Tim Oberg and you've got the Ford from Lisa Miller there and you've spoken to uh to Paul Sinton Hewitt himself so without spilling too many secrets any highlights I was really grateful to have the opportunity to talk to Paul Sinton Hewitt and he did a, a, a video call with me. That was just uh, such a pleasure. He's, he's such an inspirational person. And one of the things I'll say that he talked about was uh, he talked about his connection to Australia. And I think a lot of us have heard that Paul is in some way an Australian and uh, I'd heard in advance of the uh, of the chance to talk to him that he had connections to Australia, and he talked a little bit about that, which was really interesting, and which I won't spill the beans too much on. But he went through the story of why he has an Australian passport, which was a great little story. Mm. It was also about February, I think, when I spoke to him, the end of February, and it was a difficult time uh, and to some extent it's really still a difficult time when we look at the impact of the pandemic on parkrun and particularly the impact here has been hard and and last year was very hard this year we seemed like we're in such better shape and now again for many of us we're locked out once again but for for the UK they had that long period and when I spoke to Paul it was right in the depth of that yeah. and so he he also uh, was able to say a few things about that experience as well, which I think it's good to to have that perspective because we can all, I guess, take parkrun for granted, but it hasn't been here forever. And uh, it's really just because of the great work of volunteers like yourself and like everyone I spoke to for the book, it's really those people who ensure that parkrun exists and continues. And I'm not sure if I'm drawing on a similar theme. I'm keen for your thoughts on this, but what do you think has made parkrun so successful in Australia over 10 years, you know, based on everything you've, you've discussed and chatted with you know, the various contributors? Paul Sinton Hewitt says it, and it's an obvious thing, but it is because of the volunteers is the simple answer I would give to that. The structure around it, and Tim Oberg talked about how having a clear set of simple kind of parameters is a key to it, that it's five kilometres, that it's time, that it's Saturday morning in the same place at the same time, uh, that everybody's welcome. It's those really simple parameters and, you know, it doesn't get fancy, it doesn't change, it doesn't try to be something else. And so many things start to fail when they do do that. But uh, as to what's made it successful, I think really it's the strength of the concept and the commitment of the volunteers. And I think the amazing thing about Parkrun is that even though it's the same thing, for each of us, it can be whatever it is we want it to be. And when I say that, I mean, for me, I'm the kind of park runner who likes to go along and run as fast as they can for five kilometres. And it's kind of perfect for me because mm. I can only run as fast as I can for about five kilometres. Any longer, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> but that's me. But while I'm doing it, 
you know, there's other people who, for them, parkrun is they like to volunteer or they like to walk or they like to take their dog or they like to push a pram. And we can all do the thing that we think of as parkrun and it's all these different things that happen in the same place, in the same structure that we can all share. Yeah, how true. It's something that clearly has become so personal to so many of us in so many different ways and I guess I've noticed that even through lockdowns, through these extended um, pauses as you've described, that there again has meant different things to different people, uh, not least, of course, that social connection that we all love through Parkrun. Are there any other surprises you've discovered during the research for the book there? Uh, well, it's very appropriate for the listeners to this podcast, but I hadn't realised what a big thing parkrun tourism is. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I, um, uh, when I've got family and, and friends in Canberra, and when I visit there, I, you know, I've done Gin and Dera mm. and I've done Mount Ainsley, but I, I really didn't have any idea of the scale and scope of parkrun tourism. And when the borders are gone again. I'm going to be wanting to to do a lot more of that, and I also had I had no idea about all of the challenges and the um, kind of virtual clubs. Yep. Only recently learnt by listening to this program about what a Wilson index was. <laughs> I had no idea of those things, and I just think they're fantastic and interesting. So so there's that. I wouldn't have known going in. Didn't know going in that uh, it's 22 countries and and growing. Mm. And I also didn't realise that Australia was such a significant country within that, that we're one of the one of the big three really and have been for so long. And when you look at things like, you know, we're all watching the Olympics now. Yeah. It's not surprising, is it? Until the other day we were fourth on the list. Why shouldn't we be one of the big three parkrun countries in the world? So there's some of the things that were surprises, I guess, or, or, or things that I wouldn't have known from the outside. Mm. But in saying that, the people who listen to this podcast and the people who I spoke to, they're all the real experts, the real parkrun knowledgeable people. For me, as someone who's done 30 parkruns and been to four locations, I think and I hope that because I came to parkrun a little bit from the outside, that I will have told the story in a way that's useful for people who are just being introduced to it as, as well as people who know it well. Yeah, I can certainly see with the different the, the different stories you've covered, there's there's a real opportunity for, I think, people from a number of different perspectives to, to strike a chord with you know, what you've included and, as you've described, you know, the, the many different ways that Parkrun can resonate with an individual, with a community. Yeah, early, very early in the process, um, Scott Trickett uh, and Big shout out to Scott for, for all his advice during the uh, writing. But uh, Scott put me in touch with Andrew Dodd and Dave Robertson from Newey. Mm. And I think my conversation with Andrew Dodd, I learned more about passion oh. uh, in that conversation than, uh, than I could have in any other way, in any other 30-minute call. And um, that really helped me understand some of the, um, some of the passion of the movement. Yeah, yeah, oh, and there's certainly a lot of passion in the Dodfather there that, uh, that, again, just helps take Parkrun and take the whole community spirit, the initiative to um, yeah, to so many communities through you know, people like that and, and the way that that is just so infectious. Um, 
I'm curious to know. So you mentioned before you've done four park runs. So I th- we do like to understand your top three favourite park runs. We're going to change it up because I'm curious to know, do you have a top three park runs in the book that you haven't visited that you would like to visit? Not sure if that's a fair question. <laughs> it's it's very, very hard, isn't it? i got to say I'd love to visit yours. It just it looks fantastic and, uh, and the way you described it was fantastic. And I think it was you that said something like uh, we all have a badge of honour of our own parkrun and we mm. all want to share our own parkrun with others. I think you said something like that. I think I quoted we you do. saying something like that. Um, I'd have to want to go to Tim Byrne. Yeah. Donna Ellis at Tim Byrne, she gave me, I think, the best quote I have heard, which was, Tim Byrne's a small town, so there's never any problem getting volunteers. And I thought, what a fabulous description of Australian towns, that a small town is where you have no problem getting volunteers. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And uh, on, the, on the flip side of that, I have to go down to St. Peter's to Paul Wilcox because it's the New South Wales start point and yep. I'm a New South Wales person, so I've got to go to St. Peter's. But Paul, on the flip side, said to me once, uh, people assume we don't need more volunteers because it's a big park run and they think, oh, they wouldn't want me, they don't need me, I, I, I shouldn't put myself forward when it's the big park runs that often do need volunteers. But the last one I'll say on this is uh, I'll have to go to Albert, Melbourne as soon as I can. Uh, it's yeah. Lisa Miller's home event. She was good enough to write the forward, for which I'm very grateful. And uh, talking to Scott and Joanne Watkins, uh, I really have to get along to that one as well yeah yeah but there's likewise there's another you know there's another 29 yeah and, and i think let's call this the um the edited section because i think you know to be fair to you on that question you would um you'd name every single one of those and more i'm sure um given the yeah. experience given the, the discussions you've been uh having for for this time so um look david i, I suppose you know one key question for everyone uh, on their behalf is how can people get a hands get their hands i should say on a copy of your book Yes, well, the publication date itself is, I think it's the 9th of November, Mm -hmm. um, but it's already on for pre-sale at Booktopia. Mm -hmm. But what I'd say to people is use the links that are in the Parkrun material. Mm -hmm. So on the Parkrun blog, there's an article that went up this week about the book, Mm -hmm. and that article was part of the Friday email that we all get or that most of us get. Yep. And there's a link in there to the book on the Booktopia site. And the reason I say to use that link is that then in the bookseller system, it shows us coming through from Parkrun. And so there is a return to Parkrun from that. Excellent. So that's why it's important to buy it through the links that you see on Parkrun Communications. Now, it's a full-colour book, as you've mentioned, Ollie, and full-colour books have long lead times for printing. I think it's something like 10 to 12 weeks. So I mention that because pre-sales and the interest in pre-sales is one of the big factors for a uh, publisher in deciding how many books they print. Mm. So one of the reasons that people might want to pre-sale is that if the print run is larger, then availability is better. But if the print run isn't larger 
then with a 10 to 12 week uh, printing timeline, it could conceivably sell out. Mm. I'll be happy if it sells any books <laughs> at all. I'll just be happy if anybody is reading about parkrun. But if they don't print many, it could conceivably sell out. So yeah. um, it's not an attempted sales pitch. I'm just saying that because November's very close to Christmas and a couple of people said to me that it would make a good Christmas present, which is very nice of them to say that. But uh, that's the only reason I mention that. But buy it through the links on parkrun communications. Thank you. And it's good to get that insight because I think many of us are looking forward to reading it. Uh, many of us agree that uh, it would make a good Christmas present and I'm sure that uh, you will get a lot of interest and many people that want to spread the, the word uh, and, the, and the love for Parkrun. So look, I have to say, David, um, thank you so much for your time and for bringing the story of Parkrun Australia to print. Something is dear to our heart to many of us um i can't wait to read it and i'm sure many of our parkrun family feel exactly the same well ollie if i could just say thank you to you because you were uh, an important part of this process and you're also one of my sounding boards for for a few of the things particularly our parkrun speak section <laughs> but if i could also anybody who's listening who was involved in the interviews for the book or providing photographs and images. Thank you so much for having given your time to this project. I really appreciate it. And the book wouldn't exist without all of the people who were so prepared to be involved. Thank you, David. And thank you for bringing this lovely community to print. Thank you. And thanks, Ollie. I really enjoyed listening to David talk about the journey that he took with his book and I thought how interesting in his comment that you can turn up to Parkrun and do it whichever way you enjoy and isn't that what was highlighted this last weekend with the efforts of Team Tempo coming along to Parkrun to complement their training in light of other cancelled events and being able to share Parkrun alongside the rest of the community. I think that's an excellent point Mel. It just epitomizes what we like about our community or what many of us do so true that can just mean so many different things to so many people yet be so consistent yep and we can pre-order the book on every saturday by clicking through the parkrun australia blog link yes or on the link that we uh, we will have shared on our facebook page and i've already got mine in my cart ready to order ollie i can't wait Excellent. Yeah, look, I'm intrigued. Uh, spoiler alert, we don't know all the events that are in this book. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're just as curious as the rest of you and we look forward to the debate afterwards around uh, which other ones he should have selected. Can I say, Ollie, when he mentioned some of the events that he would like to do, mm. Tim Boone, tick. Yep. St Peter's, tick. Yep. Albert Melbourne, tick. <laughs> Excellent. No, and uh, it was a nice cross-section. I immediately felt terrible in asking David that question. I mean, he's, he's obviously had so many great accounts from so many different park runs. Oh, and, oh, oh. Uh, Shell Harbour, tick. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, yeah. I just gave it another name. Oh, uh, mention. Uh, we almost made it a whole episode. I think it might have been mentioned a few times in your interview. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I threw yes. in a tool and creek in mine, though. Yes. But, Mel. Oh, we got more mail. We did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, yes, we got an email from Bruce with more bingo suggestions. Thank you, Bruce. They were really good ones. We're not going to tell everybody what they were because we're collating them. We've got a little list going. We're yep. working away busily on selecting the final cut of bingo challenges for Streaky September. So stay tuned, everybody, because Streaky September is coming upon us quickly. Yeah, last last round, last call, right? It is, yes. yes. And we are going to have a little preview of everything uh, to explain Streaky September in the weeks to come. Yes, so this is for you. If you you haven't necessarily listened to all of the Parkrun Adventures podcasts, firstly, you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, Streaky September is a highlight. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot to love about it. So we look forward to sharing all of that very, very soon. Nolly, this is a good time to bring up again the idea of the Parkrun Adventurers Parkrun Club. I think so, yes. I've had a couple of people reach out to me and they're, they're quite keen on this idea. Okay. So it's just a question of the name really. I think I think there's enough interest in us creating it. But um, do we call it the Adventurers or, or what about the Park Fun Adventurers? Park Fun Adventurers. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's got any other suggestions, but obviously it's got to be easily recognisable mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's our podcast. Yep. And if you're being creative, let's be creative and, and find something other than the word park run in there too. Love a few suggestions, Mel, and uh, that's exciting. It is. And also what is exciting is Park Run Austria launching this next Park Run Day, Ollie, at Hellebrunn Park Run. Oh, fantastic. Welcome to the family, Austria. Indeed. Yeah. And do we have other returns? Was that last week or this week? Uh, last week, I believe we had some other returns last week. We had um, Sweden. Mm-hmm. And I think there were reports of Finland returning too. We did have a tip-off. And I think Scotland and Wales are scheduled for next weekend. Yeah, it continues to be just wonderful to see. Well, Mel, dare I ask, uh, any plans for this week? <laughs> Well, not real life park run plans, Ollie, um, sadly. Still locked down here in Melbourne. Regional Victoria has been released from lockdown, but they won't be able to park run quite yet. Yeah. So it's all not park runs still for us. I've got big plans for next week's theme. I've actually already started planning it, which is early for me. My goodness. Wow. Yeah, mm. that's 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 about a week early. I know. Yeah. But I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward <laughs> to this one, so stay tuned. All right. And what about you? Uh, yeah, well, for me, locked in, locked down. Injured. <laughs> I'll get out for a jog and I will look forward to seeing everyone else's experiences, whether it be not parkrun or parkrun related. But, uh, Mel, I, I suppose that's it for the week, hey? I think so. Yep. It's been a massive week, Ollie. It has. We've crammed as much as we could into this week's pod. We really have. We, <laughs> well done to you stalwarts who've made it right to the end. Um, <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed and, and shared in a bit of the fun with us. And as always, if you've got any suggestions, your last bingo card suggestions, Parkrun Club suggestions, any feedback, feel free to contact us via Facebook or on our email, which is parkrunadventures at gmail.com. And that also goes for anyone that's not on Facebook and hasn't seen the Parkrun Australia link. 
to David's book on every Saturday, you can email us. We'll send you the link. That's fine. But, Mel, that's it for another week, and we will see you all next week for more adventures. Wyndham Vale and my sister and I took our Australian flag for an Olympic theme. We had lots of fun running with our flag. I have been watching lots of Olympics. My favourite sports are gymnastics and swimming. And at my own swimming lesson last week, my teacher Clancy gave me a gold medal for 100 meter freestyle. She's a great swimming teacher. Bye, stay safe.